that would be the big freeze. That would be the big freeze. Well, welcome to all of you. Some of you are, are here for the first time today, and we do, uh, we do hope that your experience here at Renovation will be a pleasant one. We find that there's two things. This is the this coming up Alpha course tonight, I believe, is my 28th or 29th time that I've been in an Alpha course. And I found through all those courses in many different settings that there's two things that are difficult for people. I think that would be difficult for me, but they're difficult for the folks that are coming for the first time. The, the first is the first night that you come to Alpha, the very first night that you come to Alpha. Just It takes a lot of courage to come by yourself. Uh, sometimes you don't know anyone. Sometimes you're going to walk into the door of a new place, whether it's, whether it's for an Alpha course or something else that you're doing out in the community. If you don't know anybody, you feel real uncomfortable. Am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be liked? Uh, are they going to look at me funny? Are they going to expect things from me? You heard, you heard Jake just say that. He didn't know what they were gonna, we were going to expect from him. And the second thing is, on Alpha, we have a weekend, a retreat that we, that we usually go away, but we spend a lot of time, the whole weekend, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. Many churches kind of shy away from that. They don't want to have anything to do with this Holy Spirit thing. So we are, uh, we feel like we need to teach people about the Holy Spirit. First of all, you don't just instantly... Uh, understand who he is and what he does, you have to be taught that. So we spend a whole weekend around uh, the Holy Spirit. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of people shy away from that weekend, perhaps, again, because they don't know what's going to happen, but we can see spiritual warfare at, at hand because kids will get sick. Uh, the job will call and say, oh, yeah, we've got to have you in this weekend. The car is broken down and you don't have transportation. Yada, 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 yada. All kinds of excuses why people can't make it to the Holy Spirit weekend. Um, it becomes very, very difficult for some people to be able to, to uh, do that one thing. And I think it's because somebody doesn't want us to learn about the Holy Spirit. Most most uh, people do not have a good understanding. So, if this is your first time here today, I, I hope that your experience is going to be a pleasant one. I heard about a pastor in happened to be in England who was getting ready to do his service. He had come out. He was on the platform ready to begin his uh, liturgy that they had in the church there. And he looked back. Behind, at the back of the church, there's glass windows that you could see out into their welcome center area, the entryway. And he looked and it, he saw police officers back there. Not just, not just police officers, but a SWAT team. A whole bunch of them in, in black flat jackets and vests and carrying machine guns and the whole works. And he's thinking, what in the world is going on here? So he motioned to one of his assistants to come up and he said, go find out. What's going on back there? He started the service, and at, the, at a, a good break in the service, the uh, associate came up and he said, we've got a real problem. Somebody was murdered out in the street just in front of the church, and the police saw him run in here. He's in the church, and they think that he may be in the middle of the congregation here. So what they want to do is they want to come in and conspicuous, inconspicuously go up and down the aisles, kind of 
figuring out who the person is and then arresting him and taking him away. And, and the pastor said, we can't have that. First of all, it disrupts everything we're doing. But secondly, what if he sees them coming and he, he takes hostages? We're in a worse situation. You go back and tell the, the man in charge of the police that I've got a plan and he needs to look for my cue. I'll give him a cue. He'll know when it's the right time to come in. It just happened to be that this Sunday was the Sunday that they were doing their annual baptism service. So they had many people in the church that were going to be baptized. And at the appropriate time in the service, the pastor said, Okay, I would like all the regular members to come to the front and encircle the baptistry up here. And that brought about two-thirds of the people out of the congregation up to the front. And then he said, Okay, anybody that is a guest of one of our regular members, why don't you come up too and you can circle the baptistry over here and help us celebrate the baptisms. That brought everybody except for one man sitting about halfway back in the, in the auditorium by himself. So the police saw him, they'd rushed in, they tackled him, took him to the ground, handcuffed him, carted him out, put him in the back of the paddy wagon, off it goes with the sirens whirring. They went to his house after they found out who he was. They broke down the door to his house. They started looking through his computer, his journals, his papers, and they found out they had the wrong man. You see, this man had come to... This was his first day in church. He had come to church because he was told this was a loving, caring, uh, compassionate place to go where he could find good relationships with people and build lifelong relationships with them. So we certainly hope that today is not a day like that for you. Um, that your experience is much happier than, than this one. We're going to look primarily at one verse today. It's, in, it's on your little handout sheets. I even put it on both sides, the front and the back, so that you would have it handy at any time. You can open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 15, verse 26. And I think it's also on the screen. So multiple ways that you can access this verse today. By the way, in this church, we believe that the Bible is true. It's infallible. It's without error. It's the only rule we have for faith in life. We need to run to it daily to find out what God wants us to do in our lives. John 15, 26 says this. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. One simple verse packed with a lot of things. And what I'd like for us to do today is maybe tear this verse apart and ask three questions about the contents of this verse. So I want to look briefly at the Holy Spirit, kind of an introduction to the Holy Spirit using these three questions, and I'll answer them for you. You won't have to answer them. <laughs> we'll use scripture actually to answer them. So the first question is this. Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus says in this verse, he, he will testify about me. So in the first place, your answer, A, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. He is a Someone, not a something. I grew up in a church tradition where 
we didn't use the term Holy Spirit. We used the term Holy Ghost. That was that was, and it probably probably was used because that was the translation, uh, the King James translation that was used, the authorized version from from the Church of England way back when. Uh, it used Holy Ghost all the way through. Uh, as I began to study Greek, I wanted to go back and look at what the the real language, the original language that the Bible was written in said. And I found that in every case where it's talking about the Holy Spirit, it's spirit. It's pneuma. The, the Greek word's pneuma. That's what the Greek word is that's used in each one of those cases. Not phantasma, which is, as we would think, a ghost, apparition, appearance, whatever. You know, I grew up, I honest, I'm... I'm I'm embarrassed, if you will, to say this because it lingered with me till I was at least in high school. I grew up thinking every time I heard Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, I thought of something that looked like Casper, white sheet, you know, mm -hmm, floating around some little guy. That, that was, I, I promise you, that was my impression of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't until uh, much later, when I started studying this myself, that I found actually what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. He has all the characteristics of personhood. He has intellect. He thinks. He speaks. He can act. He can lead people. He can be grieved. He can be saddened. He knows. He desires. He has a will. He chooses. But most important of all, he loves. He loves. The Holy Spirit loves. And he loves each one of us here today. Each one of us. And Jesus says in John 15, 26, that the Holy Spirit not only is a person, but that he, Jesus, is going to send him. He's going to send him. So the Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus from the Father. The whole Trinity is involved in this verse. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father. And Jesus describes him here, the Holy Spirit, he describes him as the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says, I am the truth. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And in some places in the New Testament, that's exactly how he's described. He's described as the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You could say he's Jesus' other self. Jesus, of course, theologically speaking, is in heaven right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us in prayer. That's what he's doing. But the Holy Spirit is here. He's with us right here present today. One of the other verses that we look at in Alpha is uh, Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20 where Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. You know that verse? And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Jesus says, I will come in. I will come in. 
Now, if you've ever invited Jesus into your life, at any point in your life, He came in by His Spirit to live within you. He's living within you. And Christianity is not so much about rules as it is about relationships. It's not so much about philosophy as it is about a person, knowing a person, living in a wonderful, close, intimate relationship with this person. Mother Teresa said one time, the greatest problem in the world is not starvation, it's loneliness. It's loneliness. I read an article recently that supports, in a magazine that supports the homeless, and it said this, most people's image of loneliness is that of a frail old lady stuck in her assisted living center. The reality is that it can just as easily be a fashionably dressed young man trying desperately to make conversation with a sexy young lady standing next to him in a crowded bar. Being surrounded by so many people only compounds the feeling of isolation. I've heard people that, I've had friends that worked in New York City and they, they would talk about how lonely it was with 12 million people around you. How lonely it is. How true that is. It just compounds the feeling of isolation. And lonely, loneliness is really a kind of a, of a cosmic loneliness. It's like being in God's world without being in a relationship with Him. Here but not here. John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God, Desiring God Through Fasting and Prayer, describes loneliness as a homesickness for God. We want to go home. We want to be home. We want to be with the ones who love us and who we love. And the amazing thing is that when we're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, we're never alone because He's always with us. Always. So the first question is, who is He? He's a person. Second question is this. What is He like? What is He like? Well, Jesus says in John 15, 26, when the Counselor comes... The counselor. Literally, that's a Greek word, the word parakletos. And parakletos is an unusual word. It's a difficult word to translate because it's a compound of two different words in, in Greek. But literally, it means the one who comes alongside. The one who comes alongside. It's sometimes translated as the advocate, the one who stands by you in, in, in a court. Sometimes as the encourager, the one who stands beside you to encourage you to do things. Sometimes it's translated as the comforter. All of these could possibly be the uh, definition for that. The one called alongside. And, and Greek words, of course, I've told you before, always come with a picture meaning. Every Greek word has a picture behind it. And the picture behind this, it, actually it's a nautical word. It's from the seas. The Greek live on a peninsula surrounded on three sides by sea. So they were very much seafaring people. 
And this is one of those words. And it had to do with a, if a small little ship was in trouble in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, the sails had broken. There was a, there was a leak in the boat. Uh, a big storm had come up, big waves, whatever. If the little ship was in trouble, they would send a larger ship out to come alongside that ship, that little ship, to take it back to the safety of the harbor. And the word that was used for that was parakletos. Parakletos. Nikki tells the story in, in um, his presentations of a fellow named Alan Anderson. He was 24 years old, and he was flying in a light aircraft, single-engine aircraft. And in this aircraft, there were just two people, Alan Anderson and the pilot. And the pilot dropped dead from a heart attack. So that leaves Alan Anderson, who had absolutely no flying experience, none whatsoever. I told the people uh, in, the first, in the first service that I have a pilot's license, and the first thing that I do if somebody gets into the cockpit with me is I show them the radio and say, look, this is the radio, this is the little trigger that you push and talk into, and then you release it so that you can hear what the other person's going to say back to you. If they've got that, they stand a chance. But if they don't understand that, they're completely lost. So here's, here's Alan Anderson. No flying experience. The guy dropped dead right next to him. And he managed to send out a Mayday emergency call, and a man named Robert Legg who was a flight instructor in this very, very same type of aircraft, responded to the Mayday call, and he kind of followed him around and caught up with him about 2,000 feet above the ground uh, over in South Wales. And there was also another guy named Howard Day who, who was a radio, you know, ham radio operator, and he was transcribing this. That's why we know what was said uh, during this time. This is how it goes. The first thing that Anderson said... When he saw the instructor come alongside him, he said, I can see you. To which Leg replied, okay, just listen to my instructions. Take the throttle and pull it slightly until the RPMs drop down to about 2,300. Anderson, well, which is the throttle? Leg, there should be a black lever in the center of the panel. That's fine. Let the airplane fly itself. Anderson, I wish it would. Leg, read the airspeed. Anderson, the airspeed's 105. Leg, look, I'm on your right side. Just, just relax. Anderson, are we going down? Leg, yes, we are, shortly. Bank right, gently. We're aiming for the wide tarmac airstrip to the right of the red and white lights. Can you see it? Anderson, affirmative. Leg, reduce the power slightly. What's your airspeed now? Anderson, 100. Leg, pull back very gently on the control column. Close the throttle. Hold it there. Pull back gently and hold it there. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold the control column back. Relax. Okay, the, the rudder pedals... Press the top of the rudder pedals. You'll find the brakes. Both rudder pedals. Press them both together. You'll find the brakes. Anderson. I can't find the brakes. Leg. Don't worry. 
The emergency vehicles are coming up behind you. Just sit in the aircraft. Leave the engine rumbling. Turn the keys off. Then take them out. The engine should stop. Has the engine stopped? Anderson. The keys are out. Just stopping now. Thank God. Leg. You're welcome. It's all in a day's work. See, Leg had guided Anderson to a near-perfect landing. And the story went on to say, Mr. Anderson was last night recovering from deep shock. His mother, Carol Anderson, said he vowed never to fly again. I guess that's probably true. Now, I don't know about you today or this weekend or during this upcoming Alpha course, but I hope you don't have a crisis quite like that. I hope you're not in that kind of crisis. But maybe there are things going on in your life, uh, anxieties, fears, situations that seem just out of control, and you would like somebody to come alongside you and to listen and to help. And the Holy Spirit is that one who draws alongside us to be the encourager, to be the comforter, to be the counselor. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Last uh, summer, uh, I had some, some things going on in my life, and I went to see a wise counselor. And I sat with him for about 45 minutes, and when I left his house... Again, I'd only been with him 45 minutes, but I felt totally different leaving. All the problems were still there. Every last one of them was still there. I just had a different perspective on the problems. And the Holy Spirit draws alongside of us so that the problems, the issues, the anxieties, they might still be there. But he helps us to see them in a different perspective. Somehow they don't seem so big. They seem rather small when he's alongside of us. So that's the second question. What is he like? He's the paracletos, the one that draws alongside of us. We have another video. Uh, Walt mentioned that we had someone who had, uh, has a testimony for us that has been through Alpha. But she has been in the church for quite a while. And would you run that for us? And we do have the, the Alpha registration forms. If you, if you already signed up for the course earlier, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, just put your name on, on the copy you have and drop it in the, one of the baskets here as you bring up um, your Connect cards, your offerings at the close of the service. We want to have a good head count so we don't run out of food tonight. That's the main thing. Number three, question number three. What will the Holy Spirit do? What will he do? Well, Jesus says also in this verse, he, he will testify about me. See, the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is that he never, never, ever points to himself. He always points away from himself to Jesus. The spotlight is always on Jesus. So I hope that during this Alpha course, you'll have a great time. I hope that you find that it's a wonderful opportunity, as Gladys said, to cement friendships and relationships. But most of all, all of us on the Alpha team hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will come and draw alongside you 
along each, alongside each one of us, actually, and take us a step closer to Jesus in that relationship. Because Jesus said, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I hope that you don't feel like you've been a part of an infomercial today. Uh, we wrestled with, with how to do this and uh, to get you up to speed on what uh, Alpha is all about, but at the same time, not overkill. So, hope you've heard just enough to whet your appetite, spiritually speaking, to uh, show up for this Alpha course. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your amazing love for us. We thank you that you have not left us alone, but you sent, you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us, to um, be our comforter and our guide. We pray for each person who may show up at this Alpha Course, Lord, that um, we may come to an understanding of who your Son is, who you are, that there is a relationship that we can have, a vibrant intimate relationship with you because of what your son has done. I pray that each one of us will come to understand totally about the Holy Spirit too, who he is, what he does. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name.